hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people. Hello again, and welcome to the Directors Hub Founders Support Club, Series 1, Episode 4. Today we are joined with by Jaina Shah of JPS Wealth Management, and we're going to be talking about wealth portfolios. And it's a talk about legacy financial goals and why people should plan for the future by having a goal in place for when they retire with a pension pot. So, welcome Jaina. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Sunny. Thank you, Faye. Um, so why people should save for retirement? Uh, well, one, uh, as a human race, we're living longer, especially in this country. Uh, typically, we live in our mid-80s, uh, depending on our gender. So we need to provide for, for the retirement. Uh, and on a, on a working day, out of the 24 hours, you typically sleep for eight hours, uh, work for eight hours, and then eight hours of other things or leisure. But when you retire, you just sleep for eight hours, and then you've got... Uh, 16 hours a lot more time. of leisure a lot more time. Yeah. so yeah. lots of, of time of, uh, for leisure um, and, and that's the time that you want to fill up and uh, someone famously said that um, it's great to get out of the rat race but then in, in retirement but then you need to learn to survive uh, with little cheese yeah. so uh, uh, it's, it's retirement is a time that when the paychecks stop coming but the bills don't stop no. Uh, if anything, if you want to do the things that you always wanted to but couldn't because of time constraints, because of work pressures, uh, things like traveling the world or playing any sport that you enjoyed, uh, then then you do need to provide for that. Uh, and unfortunately, the state pension provision is getting less and less uh, adequate for, for typical requirements. So that's why you need to save. Uh, the... Do you find a lot of people um, don't plan for their retirement, that, that you, you're coming up against people who haven't really thought about what happens, as you say, when the paychecks stop? Yes. One of the biggest mistakes I see people committing is uh, starting too late. Uh, far too many people in their 20s and 30s think retirement is too far away for them to think about. And then suddenly they're in their 40s and 50s and it hits them thinking, oh gosh, I need to do something about my retirement. Um, so there's some st uh, alarming statistics. A recent DWP report showed that uh, at least 38% of us are um, saving much less for mm -hmm. our, so making less provision for our retirement. Um, so Why yes. do you think that is? Do you think that's because people um, are sort of living more for the here and now and they sort of think, oh, that's on the never-never, I won't worry about that now because it's, it's 30 years till I retire? Yes, uh, I think it's just short-sightedness uh, because when you're young, uh, you just want to have fun. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's just a generation of instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, we just want to think about now and the next five minutes and that's that. Uh, who wants to think about what's going to happen in 40 years' time when you stop working? So this is, this is half the problem um, because you, we all need that, that goal of, of reaching a certain level of income and then... The sooner you start, the easier that that step. There'll be a gentle uh, step up. Whereas if you leave it for too long and you start too close yeah. to the time, then you just suddenly need to do rock climbing rather than going up yeah. a gentle hill. So when people come to you, sort of, what is the sort of I suppose average age that people come to you wanting help with managing 
their their wealth portfolio such as it is if they have anything at that stage or do they are some of them coming to you starting from nothing and saying what do I do to plan for the future are they panicking because they've reached 40 and they're going shit I'm retiring in 20 years or you know or are they coming you at 30 and saying well I, I actually really want to think about it or so I get a mixed bag. The majority of the people I meet are in their 40s and 50s and 60s. Uh, 60s when they've already accumulated wealth and coming up to retirement, uh, planning and exiting, selling their business and, and, and planning their retirement lifestyle and generating income from that sale of business, uh, the sale proceeds of the business. Uh, 40s and 50s is typically about uh, managing their wealth, legacy planning, inheritance tax planning, ensuring that the intergenerational wealth transfer happens most tax efficiently. And uh, in 30s and 40s, typically either starting a new pension or perhaps consolidating. I do a lot of that uh, where people have changed jobs three or four times by the time they're in their 40s or 50s. Uh, so they've got four or five different pots of pensions and mm. they have got absolutely no idea uh, how these are performing, what level of risk they're in, what the charges are, what the growth is, um, or what it's going to give them when they retire, or mm. can they retire? People often, when you ask them, well, when do you want to retire? They often have a, an age in mind, yeah. but they most likely they don't have uh, a number of what retirement income or what level of, of retirement uh, income they would like or what kind of retirement they would like. And, and quite often they have no idea about what they currently have, what that's going to give, and mm. is that going to be enough? So, but sometimes I come across clients who, like who are, like you mentioned, are panicking and thinking, I've left this too late, but I really need to get yeah. this sorted. I mean, uh, just last week, I helped a client who's never had a pension, uh, is self-employed, earning a decent amount, uh, but just never got around to doing anything with yeah. regards to pensions. And once we set up her pension with a, a lump sum and some regular contribution, uh, she was really pleased and think, uh, she said, I'm in my early 40s, but I just finally feel that I've, I've grown up now. I feel <laughs> like an adult finally. Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? I suppose we're all guilty of that. I, mean, I know I did in my 20s. I didn't even, like exactly what you said, I didn't think about anything like that. I was more interested. I didn't think about saving for a deposit on a house. didn't think about putting money aside that much. I did have a pension, mind you. But um, generally speaking, you don't because you, you sort of think it's so far away in the future that it doesn't enter your head. But do you think that perhaps there should be more education around that from an early age, so in school and college, that people are learning about financial management so that they then go through life planning for these things and they're not coming to you quite so panicked at 40 going and haven't organised anything? Yes, definitely. There is a huge gap uh, in uh, with regards to information and understanding about pensions. It's unfortunate that at schools we are taught about Pythagoras theorem but not about pensions, yeah. something everybody will at some stage need uh, because we're all going to stop working at some point. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm an accredited financial education expert and I do sessions for schools and universities. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have some uh, booked in May. I have a series of sessions for 16-year-olds at Plattington Mill uh, in May and I've d delivered certain in the past over Zoom to other yeah schools further afar yeah. but that's a service we provide for no charge to uh, anyone yeah. at all it's just uh, the idea is to to make people more aware because yeah. surveys have shown that uh, financial education is is um, financial related topics are there were 
uh, six out of the top 10 things when people were surveyed they wish they'd learned at school yeah. um, were financial related about compound interest or about credit cards, how mortgage works, how pension works, all these things uh, which um, students don't because there's no curriculum. No, there isn't. And it's true. I mean, I don't know if it's changed a bit now, but um, certainly when I was at school, we never let anything like that. And as you say, Pythagoras theorem is all well and good, but I can't think of a single occasion in my adult <laughs> life where I've used it, whereas knowing about pensions would be pretty useful. I think so we're doing a lot of work in that space, spreading uh, the information uh, with regards to that. And um, so, yeah, it's very interesting um, as we talk about this, this whole process of um, the financial aspect of somebody rolling through life, going on to their different jobs or, or, or even as a younger person, as you've said already, and not being given it. it they're saying that my children, Jack and Charlotte, they have already asked for a credit card. Um, in essence, <laughs> and they're only nine. Um, they've asked for like a Go Henry card or, or whatever the hell it's called, and uh, that, so that they can, you know, start to look at those costings and so forth and pocket money and yeah, so. Everything so like my kids, they just think it's a card that they can use to buy stuff with. They don't think about where the money on that card <laughs> comes from or who's well, going to pay it for them. Well, luckily, Dad. my kids are not yet at teenage uh, kind <laughs> of years, so uh, they haven't gone into that process. But that does scare me. Thank you, Faith. Um, the, the whole process of the finance aspect is is a huge element of uh, any business worry, um, and it's really interesting to hear your kind of. Um, the I, you know, what people need to go through with reference to getting to the stage of having a pension pot. Um, I have, I, I have a wealth portfolio with Jaina, um, and um, I, I wasn't even aware that I had um, pension pots. I, I assume I, I only had one, um, and and it, that just followed me. I didn't realise. I assumed I lost that when I had a redundancy when I left uh, BT many years ago. But apparently, it, it just follows you. So there must be lots of people in my situation yes so i come across clients like yourself sunny who uh, often don't have an idea or did i have a pension with that job uh, and we do free uh, pension tracing service for these clients so all they need to do is sign one page or letter of authority which doesn't commit them to anything all they're allowing me is giving me authority to ask those questions from their previous employers so we could write to their previous employers uh, pension department and trace it find out where that pension is who's managing it what is it invested into what is the value what is the plan number and then uh, marry that up with the with the client and connect them so they are aware of it and then they can get regular updates and, and keep track of that so we can do that so it's a fairly easy process to to find out and to get your financial affairs in order then. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So in terms of the clients that you deal with, Jaina, are they a mixture of people that are business people, self-employed, or they run their own businesses, as well as people that are salaried, employed, and drawing pensions, or yeah, playing into pensions with their employers? Yes, exactly. They're, they're a mixture of both. So there's self-employed people or business owners or company directors. There's uh, They are their own boss so they are their own employers and quite often we are our our worst employers because we don't <laughs> give ourselves life cover critical illness cover um, pension provision or sick pay when yeah. or, or, or <laughs> um, you do it for everyone else but not yourself then it's yeah so true it's yeah. so true being self-employed we're quite harsh on ourselves in a lot of ways yeah. and and uh, it comes up with the benefits as well but a lot of these benefits uh, there's so many tax advantages so for example if you're a director of your own company yeah. if the company 
puts money in your pension that's a tax deductible expense for the company yeah. so that will help you reduce your corporation tax now this is something uh, i still meet uh, business owners who are quite successful in their own business who are very intelligent uh, but this is this is a blind spot and they don't realize that they're like ah it's like a eureka moment and they say, yeah. i didn't realize that if i pay into my pension from the company profits i pay less corporation tax uh so you're uh, serving two purposes you're reducing your tax liability and also making provision for your pension yeah uh, but uh, there's also employed people who want to do extra uh, over and above what they're doing with your work yeah. because uh, what's happened is auto enrollment pension the workplace compulsory pension uh, rules brought in from 2012 uh, that has been a really positive change because that's made uh, provision for employees to join a workplace pension scheme so anybody who employs even one person needs to have a pension scheme made available yeah. and need to uh, contribute towards that and they need to automatically enroll everybody uh, and every th- if they are uh, opt out then every 3 years they automatically opt them opt them yeah. in again and again they you need to opt out so it's a nice reminder for them every 3 years even yeah. the 20 year old would would at some stage would come to senses and think yeah. ah i should join it and it's a no brainer because a company contributes you get tax relief from the government so if you've got a workplace pension available you should 100% join that uh, but i also have employees who workplace pension from before that want to consolidate like sunny did or who wants to do extra over and above that's just not tied to their workplace and want a bit more bespoke service so they do the extra with us uh, so yeah there's a mixed bag yeah so how did you get into wealth management in the first place what's what's your background jaina so i've done an mba in finance um when i was growing up i wanted to be a doctor uh but um as i grew up i i Uh, we did a few dissection of frogs etc at, at school and yeah. that kind of put me off and i thought <laughs> this is really not for me blood yeah. and all that uh, and i was always very good with numbers and maths uh, so uh, and i uh, when i started studying economics uh, at the age of 16 i really enjoyed that subject and uh, so maths and economics and and that was of interest to me so i st- i decided to do my bachelor's in in what's called commerce i studied in india yeah. and then i did my mba in finance um and started working in a bank and my first job in the uk 25 years ago was in a bank uh, working as a what they call personal account manager so yeah. someone who opens accounts at a savings current account home insurance credit cards things like that and in the branch i was always very career oriented so i looked around and i thought what's my next step what do i want to do and the three of roles i looked at was either branch manager business banking manager or the financial advisor yeah. uh, and of the one of those three the most exciting and interesting was a financial advisor and he was the most respected and liked in the branch and he ro- he drove the best car and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that all impressed me and i thought okay maybe i can be like yeah. him Uh, also there is very few women i believe less than 16% of all financial advisors in the uk are women so wow. i thought there was this gap uh, because uh, sometimes there is a tendency of of men in black suits talking yeah. down on on women about financial matters as if we know less or, or we are yeah. are less smart or anything um so i just thought it'll be good to f- as a woman to woman to have that that relationship and rapport building and that have that conversation so mm. do you think you you appeal to quite a, a f- 
a female client base or you have a mixture of both but do you think women come to you because you are a female financial advisor and they can um they find you more relatable perhaps i have a mixture of both but i've i've had females uh, uh, women clients say to me i seek you out because you're a woman yeah. I, i would prefer to work with a woman yeah but i think men like to talk to women as well so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so yeah so i i have a mix of both men and women clients so when th- when did you become jps wealth management when did you you start working um under that that banner so i did all my qualification uh, some of it before uh, i had my first child and and the remaining during my maternity yeah. leave it was a nice break for me to sort of Uh, do all the exams because you need f- six exams to yeah. become a in those days it was a certificate you need and then i did that um in 2006 uh, when i joined a bank as a financial advisor um and i i did that for about seven years yeah. uh, in a bank and then i set up jps wealth management just under 10 years ago in yeah. uh, so this july it will be 10 years uh, with my own practice yeah Uh, Is that because you wanted to have your own practice and have more autonomy yourself rather than working for a bank? So yes, uh, working with bank there were lots of restrictions what you can and can't do and uh, it gets a bit boring after a while if you're just doing one thing all the time. So I was I was trained and qualified in all this with all the exams and everything. Uh, but you were not allowed at the time we were not we had special department to do, to refer to if, if I, w- i wasn't allowed at the time to do inheritance tax planning i wasn't allowed to do certain pension transfers so i thought i'm just doing half a job i've i've got all this qualification yeah. and there was always that i did pretty well when i worked in the bank i was high up in the league tables and i was i was fairly successful so i thought there's in i've done this enough time for the bank maybe yeah. it's time to earn for myself <laughs> uh, so i know i always had the dream that at some day i will have my own yeah. practice so i thought around 40 was the right age was the right age yeah. to do that in case things don't work out uh, my i always have a plan b so in yeah. case it doesn't work out for in a 2 3 years i can go and get a job again Yeah. But if I leave it till I'm 50 then perhaps it might be difficult to get a job at yeah. 52 53. That was just my thinking at the time. But um my only regret now is why didn't I do this sooner? Do it sooner. So going back you were um were you were, did you say you were on maternity leave while you were sitting some of your exams or yes. doing some of your exams? So yes. so most women when they're on maternity leave kind of like using this break you did um hardcore financial exams there. <laughs> <laughs> You must love your numbers. <laughs> yes, I do and my bo- I have two boys and yeah. they they're both really uh good with numbers. They love maths and and numbers and calculations and yeah. analytical brains. So, yeah. How old, how old are they both now then? Uh 18 and 20. Okay. So are they going into um financial fields as well? Are they doing that at university or job-wise or? So my older one Josh is doing uh, economics at university yeah. in f- his final year, but he loves sports, so he's mixing his love for sports and his ability in maths and uh, and statistics together and he's yeah. he's going into football analytics. Uh Uh, oh, okay. So That's he's just been offered a, a a job at a dream company uh, just last week so he's yeah. over the moon about uh doing that. So he's he's going to get into that. Unfortunately, he doesn't want to become a financial <laughs> advisor. <laughs> But my younger one is doing A levels and he's he's planning to do maths at university. Okay. So there is hope. You never know. He might be joining you in the family business then. <laughs> yes, but I have a uh, an advisor joined my practice just a few months ago, Eva. um so i have a prodigy 
Oh wow, that's brilliant! <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, what are your plans with your business? Are you planning? You say you've just had an, a, an, a, an advisor join you as your, your your prodigy. Are you planning on growing the practice a bit more? Is that is that what's on the horizon for you? Yes, I would. Uh, I, I'm 50, so the plan is to at least for the next 10 years grow the practice as much as I can, and perhaps over the over time, as Eva. Uh, gets a bit more confident uh, take on some of my clients and at some stage uh, I will uh, be thinking about retiring although I enjoy what I do far too much to to think <laughs> about that now but I'm uh, making all the financial provisions yeah. for that so so you're practicing what you preach then aren't you I was absolutely. just about to say that <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> so financially I've got the ma- uh, provision made but at some stage I would like to sort of uh, slow down in perhaps 10 to between 10 to 15 years yeah uh, I'd like maybe Eva to take on some of the clients and yeah. and uh, for me to maybe uh, reduce my working hours. So have you got some quite long-standing loyal clients then now over the course of your business? You must have some people that have been with you for a number of years. That I have I have so many. I, I don't want to say numbers, no, uh, uh, but I have so many clients. And a lot of them, we have a personal relationship. We talk about, they show family pictures and yeah. holiday, talk about holidays and talk about personal achievements and talk about charity work. And uh, so it goes beyond that. So, you know, I mentioned when I, w- I wanted to be a doctor, yeah. I really wanted to be a psychiatrist because I love talking to people yeah. and I love understanding people's story and yeah. and, and how their mind works. That always fascinated me. So I, th- I think I'm in a way a financial psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> people come, uh, come and talk, open up and talk yeah. to me about their... Um, uh, and Eva, as she's training, she sits in and, and uh, after some of the meetings, she says... I'm I'm surprised how much people tell you about their personal things yeah. about you know I'm with this girlfriend but I'm not looking to ever propose to her and settle down with her and wow. things like that <laughs> uh, or or I have three children but I uh, one particular I don't trust because oh, it's gosh. not good with numbers or finances so I need to be careful about how I, I well, would you must get to hear all sorts of uh, secrets and and tips I guess because it's all in confidence isn't it anyway but uh, yes that's yeah. I'm not using any names or anything yeah. but I have uh, all sorts of very interesting uh, situations yeah. and, and circumstances but the flip side of that must be that you as well as obviously offering financial advice and helping people sort out their wealth portfolios you get to sort of get a sense of really helping with their lives and making them happy and putting them in a place where they feel comfortable and secure that must be very satisfying for you yes uh, for example one client uh, used to be in a in a uh, kind of an employed role and he always wanted to break out and go self-employed and and I gave him some hints and tips as a business mm. owner as well and and he was making certain contributions which we put on a break and I said you could you could stop that and you can revisit that and now he's absolutely flying so he's just over the moon uh we we built up that relationship where uh, he looks at me as not just like a financial advisor but perhaps as as a bit of a a, a business advisor or maybe even a mentor mentor. kind of interesting and we've kind of delved into a little bit about um what you do as a business but what about jana what about your past what did you do before what did I do before? Uh, all my life, I've been in financial services, and um, I, I mentioned I did some exams during maternity. Then, in 2013, the rule came where we had to all 
uh, anyone wants to be a financial advisor needs to have done a diploma, which is additional six exams. So I did that much before the deadline. And then I also have done chartered financial planner uh, exams. So that's another six exams. I got one exemption, so I did another five exams. So I've got the chartered financial planner status, which I believe puts me in the top 20% of financial advisors in the UK. Uh, certainly very few female financial yeah. advisors in the UK have that. Uh, so I've always been interested in, in business work. But apart from work, I read a lot. I watch a lot. Uh, I'm... Uh, uh, I, I love Bollywood. I'm a big Bollywood buff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I, I like to meet people. I like to go on holidays. And I like to spend time with my family, with my husband and my two boys. Uh, so that's what I do apart from, from work. Your husband's a, a property developer, is that right? Yes. So you, between the pair of you, you must have a very busy life with lots going on then. Yes, but it's quite flexible as well yeah. because he's a property developer. He is uh, more of a landlord now. He doesn't do a, as many sort of yeah. new projects uh, uh, anymore. But uh, thanks to interest rates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it's quite flexible. It's not like he has to be somewhere every single day from nine to yeah. five. So uh, that has allowed me all, all the support and belief he's always shown in me. Uh, and the flexibility of his work has really yeah. helped me get where I am today. Just just going back to what you said um, um, earlier that only 16% of women are financial. Um, 16% are, of all financial advisors in the UK are women. That's shocking. It is so I shocking. I was expecting it to be higher. That was quite, quite an eye-opener. Yes, if you go into retail bank, then there's far more women working at, as cashiers or banking advisors than men. But as soon as it gets a bit more specialist, because uh, believe it or not, this is a profession. It's it's like being an accountant or a solicitor mm. or a chartered surveyor. Being a financial advisor is a profession in itself. And for some reason, um, there's uh, more and more women choose not to take this track, which is surprising. Uh, but I think that's changing and it's gradually improved. At one point, it was less than 10%. Wow. It's, it's good that it's that it's changing and and all for the better. Um, it, it's it must be really difficult the role that you do because just from hearing that you had to do six, um, you had to pass six exams and then you had to do more exams. I guess with within your role and within your industry, you have a huge amount of regulations. So I guess you have to stay up to date with exactly what's happening. So you have to retrain all the time. Absolutely. We have to do what's called a CPD, uh, continuing professional development. So you have to have certain hours uh, a year d dedicated to, and, and some of them has to be structured and unstructured. Uh, but every when you say regulated, UK is the world's most highly regulated economy, more than US, more than Switzerland, more than anywhere. Um, so every piece of paper I give to a client, every everything I say, uh, uh, there is uh, limits of what I can and can't say. Um, so for example, I'm not going to suddenly start recommending individual companies that, oh, buy shares of XYZ, yeah. you should buy Amazon or you should sell shell company shares or anything like that. Uh, we never use the word guarantee because nothing about future, nothing about what I recommend yeah. is guaranteed. Uh, so if any financial advisor is using the words guarantee, then that's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
or they're giving individual recommended so we to stay far far away from anything crypto uh, it's just not re recognized yeah. um, asset so yeah we have to be very careful and it is highly regulated the whole cryptocurrency thing is highly volatile though isn't it it sort of seems to go up and down I mean I don't know much about it but when you read about Bitcoin and one week it's worth this much and the next week it's plummeted to nothing and then it's back up again so I guess it it's not really what you'd call a sound stable investment yes I mean, the definition of money going back to basics of economics yeah. is that money is a medium of exchange yeah. it's a unit of of value uh, and it's a storage of money. So if you want something uh, in those days, olden times when money was invented, uh, you couldn't keep uh, uh, um, uh, crops or, or things that for, for yeah. 10 years or five years. So they started using coins because that will be lost. So it's a storage thing. And then it's exchanging. If, if you are a cobbler and I'm a farmer, then we can exchange each other's uh, yeah. goods and services. So, but... Um, Crypto doesn't meet any of those criteria. You cannot really use as a medium of exchange, cannot use as a storage. So, yes, I, I think the less we talk about <laughs> crypto will be better. Fair <laughs> enough. So um, if you have, um, just an argument, say you had a, um, a, a business owner um, come to you, what, what sort of things would you recommend? So, so business owners, 40 years old, they haven't done anything before to do with wealth management they've got a business turning over a nice sizable sum each year what would you recommend they they sort of, sort of things would you recommend they should do to get their finance personal financial wealth in order so uh, we first of all we'd look at pension planning when do they plan to retire and what provision they already have pension and non-pensions they could have other assets that could also give them yeah. retirement income uh, so we could look at that and make sure that the pensions are in line that they're all invested in line with their own attitude to risk so they're not invested in too high risk or too low risk so that they are on yeah. track to achieve what they want to achieve uh, we look at profit extraction strategies so if there's too much money sitting inside the business account uh, not growing then then that's money that's moving backward yeah. because cost of living is going up so we'd look at that but in a tax-efficient way, uh, then we would look at uh, protecting. So we help you uh, build, grow, and protect your wealth. Yeah. So um, if they've already got a, a business that's doing well, we look at the key people in there. If something happens to them, if they're unwell or, or unfortunately were to die, what happens to the business? So we that's something we would make a mm. provision for. And then for the rest of the staff, for the employees, we could, in order to attract and retain good employees, we could look at employee benefit packages that includes life cover, critical illness cover, yeah. income protection, private medical, all those benefits. Um, and then as a company, if they still need to retain that, because I have some clients who've got quite uh, uh, several millions in their business, but they need to keep that because they they bid for large contracts so their balance sheet needs to look heavy on the right. asset side uh, so they can't just distribute and also it yeah. would create personal uh, tax liabilities so but the money doesn't need to sit in an idle bank account yeah. it can be invested so we look at corporate investments and the other reason uh, for corporate investment uh, is that if there's money sitting in the business that's just sitting idle that's not required for working capital and if you leave that for too long uh, it will not it will be subject to inheritance tax on death so trading business is not subject right. to inheritance tax but uh, this will class as a shell company or non-trading company yeah. if you hold property or cash that's uh, that's not required in the working of the business then that's a non-trading uh, 
business. So without getting too technical, uh, there's we can help them about that. And also inheritance tax planning and legacy planning, yeah. um, succession planning. And it's exit strategy as well. So if they're looking to sell in five years time, then uh, how to plan their pensions and, yeah. and remuneration packages uh, tax efficiently so that they when they retire, so don't suddenly get a big lump uh, when they had all this time to plan, yeah. they could have gradually put it fed into their pensions. Uh, and every every director of a company has got this uh, wonderful power of how they're deciding how they pay themselves. Yeah. So they can pay themselves a salary or dividend or uh, benefits in kind or putting money in pension. And uh, in a tax efficiency point of view, pensions are the most tax efficient way of paying yourself. But yeah. of course, that you've got to remember that's money for future, yeah. so you can't <laughs> access it. At the moment, the earliest one can access pensions is 55. Yeah. But uh, from April 2028, that's moving to 57. Right. <gasps> so <Wow. laughs> no, I can't wait that long. So if you if you turn 55 before uh, uh, 6th of April 2028, then you can take it then. But if you don't turn uh, like I don't uh, until then, then Damn. you got to wait till 57. Oh, that, that's t- no, I didn't know that. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> well, you need, you need the financial advice there. <laughs> so, in an, in an ideal world, you, I guess you want businesses and business owners that to, to get in touch. You know, they should get in touch as, as soon as possible. Or go and see a financial advisor yourself. You know, the more you plan, the better it is, isn't it? I Definitely, guess, so. yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's so it's very interesting that you said that because even though I, I have a very small pension pot, I do actually kind of look at it on a on a month by month basis, realizing that it, it, that with the twins being that the age they are, um, I'm going to be quite ancient by the time they've gone to university or whatever they decide to do in life. And um, if I'm still um, dithering along at uh, the age of 80, I'm not going to have much in my pension pot um, to suffice the kind of lifestyle that I would like to lead. Um, so it's it's imperative, I guess, that, um, that we all start putting stuff away, putting money away before we even get close to retiring. Definitely. And also there is uh, for business owners, definitely, but also women business owners, because mm. there's a bit like there is a pay disparity between men and women, yeah. women on average earn less than men. Uh, but there is also a huge pension disparity. So even now, uh, roughly women have about 45 some studies have shown that women have about 45 percent less retirement income than men do the state and i'm talking private pension and other provisions state pension is about the same now uh, there's very little difference there and that that's a big big improvement we've made yeah. as a country but uh, there's still a lot of work to do in that space gosh i didn't realize wow. there was so much difference in it no neither it's did surprising, i surprising actually isn't it it's I worrying suppose. Yeah, definitely worrying. For <laughs> <laughs> well, it's worrying for yeah for 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 for, for, for you, yes. So but it's that's bad. That's yeah, really bad, bad, isn't it? So, are there any um, clients? I'm obviously not naming names, but are there any clients that stick in your mind that you really feel you've really helped? Uh, like their stories stick in your mind that after they've taken financial advice from you, or you organised their portfolios, that they they're just so happy and so organised now. There's so many, it's difficult to pick one, yeah. uh, but um, I mentioned the self-employed lady yeah. in her 40s started a new pension. Uh, there's a gentleman who um, had a, a a pension that was transferred over and, and um, he works quite high up in another bank uh, and for him to choose me 
uh, to work for, for on his pension was something that I'm very proud of. There's, uh, I just can't take names, uh, but uh, yeah. I can just talk about situations. There's one particular gentleman, he had seven different pensions. He had absolutely no idea and he had a, a no exaggeration, he had a, a suitcase full of paperwork. Is that just from going from job to job and having a different pension with each yes. role? And yes. Yeah. So, um, and he had two different pensions with one provider and he didn't realize that. He just thought oh, wow. he just has one pension with yeah. that company. Uh, but turns out he had two separate plans from two separate yeah. roles, both with that particular company. So I helped him consolidate and, and he's now like Sunny said, he can access his and look at the value all the time online. So he's now really on top of it and yeah. uh, he loves it. And like, I, fi I feel I'm in control. <laughs> I feel my, my retirement is in sight. Yeah. Um, so there's there's all these clients. We've, we've helped clients uh, save tens of thousands in uh, um, inheritance tax. Yeah. Um, there's there's a there's a quite extended family. They've they're three brothers and their uh, f father uh, recently passed away, and they have a, a, a quite a big business and very complicated situation uh, with with their business and the structure and yeah. and how much of it is trading and how much was non trading. And I have helped them so much that they have just been really really grateful and they've. Uh, sent me bottles of wines and stuff, but I don't drink. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Send them to us. But I have, I have about fifty. We'll yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> but I have, uh, um, I have numerous uh, five-star Google reviews and yes. vouch for reviews where the clients have themselves gone in and, and talked about their situation and and said good things about my service. So uh, perhaps that's something. But uh, yeah, I've I've got various very exciting different. Uh, clients uh, who yeah. have been a able to add value uh, there's one client um, who uh, had transferred a pension out of uh, a particular company and uh, they they made a mistake about what they did so uh, about three four years later they sent him a letter saying we realize we made this mistake so we need to we owe you uh, this amount yeah. so they said uh, we we owe you about I think 70,000 or something. Wow. Um, so he said, I know this is not your remate and this this is not like you're doing, yeah. it's a different company and everything, but because you do everything else for me and my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law, <laughs> yeah. uh, I would really like you to um, read it. And, and this was around lock time, lockdown time. So uh, he said, can I drop off a copy of all the paperwork and you can have a look and just, just tell me what you think. And I said, officially, I really can't give you any advice on this, but let me have a look. And I had a look and one of the assumptions that was made in there, so I went back to the client and said, they shouldn't make this assumption. Go back to them and say to them, please do send me revised figures, uh, assuming this the other way around. Uh, and then he said, okay. And then he went back and then they came back. So to cut a long story short, he uh, they offered him an extra 32,000 as wow. a result. Gosh, so a he was like, yeah. Yeah. where are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, he's... A convert for life, obviously. So you should be sending you some non-alcoholic wine for life, shouldn't you? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's but um, I'm really pleased. I think he ended up buying a, a little property with that. Uh, yeah. So he was he was over, over the, the moon, moon about yeah. that. But it was, it was just... Um, sometimes it just helps to have that professional experience and expertise to, to spot something like yeah, that. Definitely. It's, it's, it's quite amazing, the whole... 
I mean, we're coming towards the the, the tail end of this uh, of this podcast with Hubbub. Um, it's absolutely fascinating um, talking about the whole process of what you actually go through. It sounds magnificent in the grand scheme of things, but it's also massively worrying that a lot of people probably have pension pots. Like myself, before I came to you, I had two or three pensions. I had no idea, obviously, that I even had them. There must be trillions of pounds sitting in, um, you know, finance houses in their pots, earning interest, which are which are actually actually people's pension pots that they don't even realise how to get at it. So, is there? You've already alluded to it earlier, saying that people can find out that information of how to actually you know find out what pension pot they have yes you could you could just uh, either write to your company yourself or there's online there's uh, i think one of the government uh, um, bodies also uh, there for pension tracing they provide pension tracing service but if if they get in touch with us i'll be more than happy to help them trace any old pensions they don't they don't have to go ahead with doing anything with us that will end, uh, end up me earning anything out of it. It doesn't have to be that. We're happy to help anyone. Wow. So we're coming to sort of the end of the podcast. Just got a few questions for you, Jaina. <laughs> okay. Um, if you won 10 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? So uh, I would I would like to uh, spend some money on uh, private uh, fi- spending financial education to yeah. schools and universities. So I would put something in place that will help with that yeah. because I think the future th- is is kids. They're, yeah. they're the next generation. They're, they're the future of the world. Um, so, so certainly that. I would, I'm would. i also really passionate about sustainability and responsibility. Yeah. So I would invest uh, some money in um, sustainability and, invest, uh, and res- responsibility focused or ESG focused yeah. uh, funds uh, for growth. And um, I would uh, set up a trust fund for my children. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. I think my pension is is pretty sorted. I I, I know what I've got enough assets to have a decent uh, retirement myself. So uh, and of course there'll be a there should be a, a, a retail therapy trip somewhere to a big <laughs> shopping mall. Of and, course, and Small a big handbag. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a big luxury holiday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a mixture. Of yeah, it sounds like a pretty good mixture of uh, socially like responsible plan. and having a bit of fun yourself. Yes. Yeah. So um, I mean, you talked about um, you know originally perhaps wanting to be a doctor, being put off by dissecting frogs, and then going into financial management. If you didn't obviously do those, uh, what do you think you might have done instead? What what other so occupation one of, would one of my dream appeal? job uh, uh, is, and I might do that some point. <laughs> Uh, is when I retire, I would like to uh, be a maths tutor. Okay, I, did, yeah. I did some tutoring when I was in, in India. I was a student yeah. myself working at, at university. Uh, I used to uh, do private tutoring, and I really enjoy uh, explaining concepts about maths and, and yeah. things, and I think I can help and I can add value. So I do that for free as a, yeah. a, a, a philanthropic uh, thing. And also, I love movies. I've said I've, I love Bollywood yeah. movies. So my dream job is to be a movie critic. So just yeah. watch movies all day and talk <laughs> about them. And <laughs> uh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I really love that. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> you also said that you um, really enjoyed reading as well. Um, so um, if you um, could recommend three books um, 
for the audience? What what would be the books you'd recommend and why? So the first book would be uh, Psychology of Money. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's an amazing book and most people should read that because it's a, it talks not just about how to make money. It talks about how you think about money. So there's a chapter on compounding. There's a chapter on risk and reward. Uh, so there's, there's a chapter about uh, the term, how long thinking long term. Yeah. Uh, and there's a chapter about uh, not spending money on 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 just showing off and and yeah. external things, uh, because uh, someone famously said that if you spend too much money on things that you don't need to to impress yeah. people that you don't even like, then you will have to do a job that you don't like. So there are far too many people work in a job just to pay for things like luxury car or yeah. or uh, big houses that they don't necessarily need. So it talks about the psychology, about how we think about mm. money. Uh, then the other book would be Atomic Habits uh, because it talks about yeah. small incremental change, how a little change consistently uh, with discipline over time yeah. can have a huge impact. And the third book, I would say, uh, The Chimp Paradox, because it, that talks about how ev every everyone has got a, a chimp in us. So we've got a human side to us, and we've got a, the, the chimp side, okay. which uh, plays up and, and acts irrationally, uh, because the chimp's only goal in life is to um, uh, look after, protect yourself. Yeah. Uh, so it will stop you from uh, leaving the comfort zone. Yeah. Because it was just, I just know this. It doesn't want you to take risks. It just needs to keep you alive and also um, procreate because yeah. that's just how human beings be built. Um, so, yeah, that that's a very interesting book. Uh, and again, about the psychology and psychiatry. And yeah, yeah, that sounds like quite an interesting one to read. I've not read that one before. Atomic yeah. Habits I've, I've read. And that's yeah. an absolutely amazingly fundamental shift in how your mindset adapts to the changes, the small incremental changes. The other two I haven't read, but um, I, have I will you make can, a beeline. You're welcome to uh, borrow from me. I've got Oh, I will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've come to the end of the podcast, so thank you very much, uh, Jaina, for taking part. Um, it's been a pleasure listening to you talk about uh, your business and about the importance of uh, wealth management. Um, I feel like I should uh, book an appointment sometime soon <laughs> and sort myself out, to be honest. It's as if it was planned. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And that's no problem at all. As we finish uh, with our tagline or strapline, as we now call it, I guess, um, we will finish on this hubbub. hubbub. A, a chaotic, chaotic din, din caused, caused by, by a crowd, crowd of people. people goes perfect every time thank you <laughs> thanks Jana. thank you thank, thank you Jana. You.